Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come here today and to learn more about your work around the world. We pray that as we look at the blessings of obedience and serving you, that we will be convinced that it's worthwhile to follow you and to help many people to find you and to change their destination from hell to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start by just giving you a a verse from Deuteronomy, chapter 28. If you fully, chapter 28 and verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth, and these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. It's true, as we heard the other day, that it's necessary when you want to follow Christ to be willing to die, live to die, and die to live. But on the other hand, I think we overlook sometimes the wonderful blessings there are uh, when we follow uh, God's way. And so I want to share those things to encourage you because you, you don't want to miss out on the blessings of God. Uh, I had, I was training five different doctors in surgery. One was from Madagascar, one was from Nigeria, one from Niger, one from Germany, and one from the United States. And I asked a friend, good friend of mine, who was a thoracic surgeon, to come out and uh, help me for one month. When he uh, when he left after a month, his wife uh, wrote an article in their church paper. It said, I came to serve, but I didn't come to die. And that was because when they got to the airport to fly out, the airport was closed. There were soldiers everywhere. They were put on buses and moved to another country. When they got to the boundary of that country, they were lined up outside. The wife was sure they were all going to be shot. So she whispered to my friend who was accompanying them, should we run or what should we do? Well, uh, it's true that in many places we have to be willing to die to do God's work. But there are also many blessings, so so let me share them with you. I'm hoping, of course, to convince all of you uh, to sign up before you leave before you leave this room, it'll make it easier for you to get out. <laughs> I want to convince you that the call that if you if God calls you to the jungle or rural Africa, He is indeed able to provide, uh, to protect, to direct, and to do the impossible. Uh, the real problem for me has always been that it's some that I. Uh, recognize that I am sometimes hard of hearing uh, because my personal desires and selfish ambitions get in the way. They conflict with my human reasoning and, uh, and it challenges my faith. At 67, when God indicated he wanted me to, to build a hospital in southern Ethiopia, 
uh, I I was uh, hesitant, as I should have been. Uh, I also thought it was completely foolish. Uh, but when God uh, gave me the entire an entire hospital in Switzerland, all the equipment inside this hospital, um, about a week later, on my way back to the United States, to think it over, uh, I could see that God uh, was indeed pointing us in a particular direction. I got a letter from a good friend in Bangladesh, where my brother works at a mission hospital. And this doctor said, I'd like you to spend three months this summer, instead of taking your regular vacation, to come out to Bangladesh and relieve me of my surgical work in the hospital so I can finish the translation of the Bible in a particularly uh, sensitive uh, and quick manner. I immediately thought of ten good reasons why I shouldn't go. And uh, first of all, I went to the director of the clinic that I was working for. As the surgeon, I was the money maker for the clinic. That's what they told me anyway. (laughs) And um, they said, well, for you to go, there must be two doctors that join the clinic. I thought, that's that's very good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I didn't say it out loud. I was talking to myself. Uh, Because for three years, nobody had applied. And we had a very attractive um, program uh, financially. So the next thing he said, the old clinic building must sell. And uh, it had been on the market for three years and nobody had even inquired. So I thought, oh, this is getting better and better. And then since I knew that the telephone system in Bangladesh didn't work and over 40 years or so that my brother had been out there. He'd never successfully completed the telephone call. I thought, you know, I'm going to say I must get a telephone call from the doctor himself telling how important this is. So I, 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 I did that and uh, felt even better. And then I looked at my uh, account, uh, bank account, and for the first time I was really, really happy because I couldn't even pay uh, for a single ticket one way to Bangladesh. And I calculated the cost that would be incurred if I left my work and I went overseas and I had to pay tuition for two uh, children in college and university. And uh, it came to 32500 And for, one t- for once, I was quite happy. And then, uh, so... Uh, I had all these arrangements. I had five other, which I won't share. Uh, And uh, the first thing that happened, the telephone rang. (laughs) Well, it's it's our son. And um, he says, Dad, guess what? I got full tuition, and I got stipend for next year. Dad, why aren't you jumping up and down? Tell you later. The next thing that happened is four doctors joined the clinic instead of two. (laughs) Things were not looking good. And then the clinic sold in two weeks. I got another telephone call from the doctor himself. He had to bring his wife for emergency treatment to the Mayo Clinic, and he was in town, and the telephone worked. 
So now, with that little introduction, <coughs> let's go for the blessings. Some people think travel is a blessing. <coughs> My wife does not think travel is a blessing. Uh, we think of all kinds of things when we think of jungle. <coughs> and um, we're not afraid, maybe, of the jungle, but what's maybe hiding in the jungle. Uh, our jungle... When we got to Ethiopia in 1966 to our assigned mission hospital, uh, amongst two and a half million people, where 14 different tribal languages were coming to our hospital every day. Uh, uh, this doesn't look like jungle to you, but <clears throat> for us it was as close to jungle as we wanted to be. My inspiration came from my parents. My father, at age 11, felt the call of God to be a medical missionary. He didn't know where. My mother was, uh, had been assigned to go to Paris because she was in dress designing. And uh, God uh, told her she should go in a different direction. And so in 1929, my parents uh, were in China. Uh, our family grew up uh, in Ethiopia at this mission hospital. My wife who is here somewhere, uh, way in back with their hand up, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> taught our children. And uh, by age 10, our son was assigned the complete maintenance of the hospital because I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I was, and that was the only person I could find to do it. Uh, our daughter, by age 7, felt the call of God to be a missionary nurse. And... Uh, so, at seven, she was dragged around on surgical rounds for the non-infectious cases on Sunday mornings. By 10, she was circulating in the operating room, and by 13, she was first assisting. If you want to join my residency program, <clears throat> I can get you through pretty quick. <laughs> well, my father thought... I needed to see the 9,999 rooms of the Imperial Palace when I was five years old. I can tell you my legs are still very tired. <laughs> Our daughter spent 20, uh, just over 20 years uh, as a Bush Clinic nurse in Ethiopia. This is her clinic where she worked with another colleague from Germany for 15 years. And uh, this is near the... Uh, in the far southwest of Ethiopia, near the Sudan border. We were blessed by having a training school started by the doctor that was before me. And uh, 491 medical auxiliaries were trained to be family practitioners in their own area, as there were no other medical personnel. The doctor that you, the, the gentleman that you see in the background there, his name is Kelamu Desta. He was the best of our students. We sent him on to medical school. He took general surgical residency and four years of plastic surgery in Wales, became a leader in the church, and um, is a prominent person in our present hospital. Most of the people um, that are have positions in the new hospital, like the administrator here, the second person from the left. Uh, I knew uh, since fifth grade. That's when he was in fifth grade, not when I was in fifth grade. His, 
his uh, daughter right beside him on the far left is a senior medical student and top of her class and hopes to come down to our hospital next year to work. Uh, three of our staff children are in medical school and uh, all of them looking to take further training at our hospital. So we all want to serve God with skill and fidelity and that, of course, is a great blessing. It's a blessing to train the next generation of surgeons for Africa because 90% of the doctors uh, trained in Ethiopia are actually working outside the country. That may give you some reason to wonder if there's something wrong with the country uh, that everybody wants to leave, and there's some truth in that. Uh, We're with the program uh, developed by the Christian Medical Association called the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons, and it trains residents in surgery. We have just graduated four in a five-year program, and the total number in this picture, if you can pick them out from their professors, is 35. They will be meeting again in 2011 in January for another two-week basic science uh, basic science study before their examinations. Maybe some of you are either first or second year medical students, and if so, maybe there's a place for you to teach the subjects you love so much. The vision for PAX is to have at least 10 more hospitals of the 10 that are already going, each to have two general surgeons who will commit to at least 10 years so that we can be sure that the surgical residency program will, will uh, carry on well. I think you can see by looking at the picture of the map of the world that Africa... Uh, has the least number of doctors and certainly the least number of surgeons. If you want to know the surgical condition of Ethiopia, then you only have to imagine 22 uh, 22, uh, general surgeons in Wichita, Kansas, taking care of all the surgical needs for everything west of the Mississippi River except for California. Uh, Also, Of the 234 million operations that are done worldwide, only 3.5% of them are done in in poor areas of the world. And that's, of course, for obvious financial reasons. Uh, Medical mission hospitals uh, frequently take care of 40 to 60% of the surgical and medical needs in the countries where they work. I think every doctor in the United States uh, at least when they're getting started in their, in their business, uh, would like to see a crowd of patients like this uh, uh, in front of their office. I know a lot of surgeons who were happy to just get one surgical case in a month. Uh, so it's, it's not all. Uh, so this picture, when I show it to them, uh, somewhat delights delights them until they know that these patients don't even have a penny in their pocket. You can fit actually three USAs in the continent of Africa, so you don't want to start walking from one side to the other unless you have uh, good resources. 
You can fit all of China, India, Brazil, and Europe into Africa as well. Ethiopia um, has about 81.5 million people. It changes, of course, every day. So I don't know what it is today. Yesterday it was 81 and a half. Our hospital is located approximately six hours drive south um, on a road just recently completed by my friends from China. One of the great blessings is to see thousands of people get baptized and it's rare uh, to have less than a thousand being baptized at a time. Uh, so uh, there are plenty of there are plenty of hard places to work in the world, but if God blesses you with uh, a place where people are anxious uh, to have their sins forgiven and anxious to change from hell to heaven, it's a blessing. Uh, this is the picture of the new hospital we're building, <clears throat> and I hope that at the the door before you go out, you'll want to sign your name away. Uh, This is what it looks like now. But 10 years ago, there was nothing on that property except uh, 18 people who who were enjoying squatting on on government land. It took a year and a half for us to move them to uh, other assigned government properties and to count every... A single plant and plant them in the new location. It's a blessing to have partnership. We have 119 different surgical specialists come out to help us in the 10 different hospitals that are doing this surgical training program. We're also blessed, after many years of working with Swiss Helimission, to finally have a helicopter working in Ethiopia to take surgical and medical teams and evangelistic teams around to the distant areas of Ethiopia. There are still tribes that still need to be reached for Christ. Now, just to show you other uh, so-called jungle hospitals, this is the most jungle hospital with with real, uh, honest-to-goodness jungle. So you don't want to, like, take a walk off the comp- off the uh, property unless you are fully prepared to meet the animals of the jungle. Uh, Another one in Cameroon, another one in Cameroon, and Kijabi in Kenya, and Tenwick in Kenya. The reason it was called Tenwick Tenwick is because when it was first established, it took 10 weeks to ride a bicycle from the coast to get to the hospital. So if you're a good bike rider, you might try and see if you can do it in less than 10 weeks. And then uh, Nagudere in Cameroon, I spent, or our family spent uh, almost uh, nine years here at this hospital on the edge of the Sahara Desert. And if you look very closely, you'll see at the end of the wing what looks like a tennis court. It is indeed a tennis court. But when the temperature is 120 degrees, it doesn't seem to get much activity. And uh, even though we lived right next to the tennis court, we didn't, uh, by the time I finished at the hospital, because we saw 750 patients a day in the clinic, 
from five different countries and had an average of 10 major operations a day, I was not feeling very much like tennis. <laughs> Our hospital in Sodu, Ethiopia, has a 10,000-foot mountain right nearby. So if you like to climb mountains, it's a great blessing to be on top. And it's far enough away that uh, you can't get called. Uh, so <laughs> that's another blessing. When we were here two years ago at uh, this conference, uh, we were at our booth, and I recognized the name of a sophomore medical student as she, as she tried to get by our booth without, uh, without getting caught. Uh, maybe you don't have the same uh, type of feeling I do when, when you go to exhibits, but I have the feeling that people are out to, to try and grab you and give you something that you don't want. But uh, in this case, I recognized the name as somebody I knew, so I said to, to uh, this fine young lady, uh, was your grandfather a missionary surgeon uh, from Norway? She said yes. Then I said, now I know that you are the answer to my prayers for over five years. I've been praying for an anesthesiologist, and I know that your father is an anesthesiologist because his dad told me he wanted you, he wanted your dad to be a surgeon so he could take his place uh, on the mission field and not just put people to sleep, but actually do something worthwhile. <laughs> He's been out there a year and a half. He's been absolutely fantastic because he knows the language. He grew up there just like our children did. And um, he has a very nice friend in Norway who decided recently to buy six new anesthesia machines, as pictured here. These anesthesia machines are different from the ones you'd find in the United States because they have uh, oxygen concentrator, battery. They can operate for 36 hours without electricity, and that's good because we don't always have electricity. Uh, even though we have two uh, fairly new generators, uh, there's always something going wrong with something. And uh, our intensive care, although it has 13 different beds, it needs to be three times larger already. It's a blessing to see God send people. Uh, and this is, is more of a blessing to me to see God actually bringing people out. Dr. Harden is an is a army surgeon who's coming out in about a year and a half. And the doctor on the right, a pediatrician who's now working in South Korea, uh, is coming with his family of five children. Uh, and Dr. John Pollock and his family are coming. He's actually coming on a short trip uh, in December. Uh, and uh, then this summer will be coming um, long term. We hope forever. I don't know if he's here or not. Anyway, uh, the visiting faculty I mentioned, 119 of them. Now, for those of you who don't like surgery, uh, you don't want to go to sleep the rest of the, the program because I am going to show some surgical pictures because as a surgeon, it's a great blessing to be able to help people with difficult problems. When I came back to the United States after the uh, new government had taken our hospital, 
um, it was it was with some difficulty because the patients I saw were very different from the patients I saw in Africa. For example, about the first month, I had a patient come in and said, I, had, I, I noticed this morning that I had this terrible thing on my, on my cheek. And uh, so I, I thought, well, you know, it might be a cancer or something like that, and I'd like to get it taken off. Uh, since I couldn't see anything there, I gave her a mirror and asked her to, to show me the exact extent of uh, this lesion she saw. She said, well, it was there this morning, but I can't see it now. Anyway, that's very, very different from the slides you'll see here. Uh, sigmoid volvulus is very, very common. Uh, double volvulus with both the sigmoid and the small bowel wrapped around the, the base. And I still haven't figured out how in the world this can possibly happen. But, um, and I still haven't figured out a way to untangle it without resecting it. But I'm still working on it. When you are in a country where only 15% of the hernias will be repaired before the people die, you'll find uh, strangulation and inguinal, uh, of inguinal hernias is very common. <clears throat> now, this patient, if you were going to take, uh, do an appendectomy on this patient, you'd be operating on the scrotum, which would be very near the right ankle. And so you wouldn't want to tell your professor what you were doing because this man has his entire intestinal tract, both small and large bowel, inside his hernia sac. And uh, when he walked into the clinic uh, where I was, his hernia was dragging on the floor. I didn't know what was, why he was having trouble walking. I thought, well, maybe it's polio or something. Uh, but this is what it was. Um, different kinds of hernias. And this uh, hernia patient had been in a government hospital for six weeks before uh, the patient was referred to us, incarcerated um, ventral hernia. This lady came to me and said she'd been pregnant for three years. Even as a general surgeon, I recognize that that might be a little bit longer than most... <laughs> It was 44-pound serous cyst adenoma. She was sure she felt movement, but I think it was other kinds of movement. This is a 98-pound retroperitoneal uh, sarcoma. This lady actually felt very much better uh, after this was removed. Can you imagine having your entire abdomen filled with fibroid, uh, fibroids of the uterus? And as you can see by the arrow, uh, they're compressing the liver. And that was one of the main symptoms that this patient had. And small bowel tumors that you can actually see, uh, even without glasses. Uh, we had 700, over 700 vesicovaginal fistulas in Niger Republic, where we worked uh, after our hospital in Ethiopia was taken away. And uh, these patients are thrown out of their homes, uh, they leak urine constantly. Uh, nobody wants them near. And uh, it's a great blessing to see uh, these large large and difficult uh, surgical repairs able to be carried out. And when they come back in three months, they're, of course, completely changed. 
they can reestablish uh, their lives, lives and livelihood. Uh, imagine having leaking for 15 years before you can get to the hospital to get it repaired. And that was the case of this woman who had a, a, a very relatively small opening that could be very easily repaired. She was able to go home in a week. Uh, then you have burns that are, are mistreated and, uh, or have no treatment at all. And burn contractors are very severe. This lady gave birth to a baby and she couldn't ambulate at all to take care of the baby. So she, she had multiple Z-plasties and was able to then take care of her baby fine. This lady came to us uh, on the back of a camel. Uh, traveling several weeks from the northern part of Niger, and her legs are on either side of that large <coughs> mass in the central area. Uh, you recognize quickly as a surgeon that this, uh, this lesion is attached directly to the end of the aorta, and so it needs to be treated as if that is the case. Uh, this lady gave birth... Uh, at home against her will uh, to to her first baby and she had many uh, lacerations and sores and these developed into keloids this is five years later and you can see how extensive they are she had uh, an operation where the lesions were taken away and different myocutaneous flaps were uh, taken in order to reestablish continuity of her abdomen and perineum. Single bladder stones are very common. We usually don't take an x-ray. I had to look pretty hard to find this x-ray to, to, uh, to show you. What we usually do is get it by history, and then if the history is positive, we take a urethral sound and tap the stone and uh, schedule them uh, for the operating room. And then I think you can tell from this picture that I had a, a Canadian medical student with me who had a camera. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have a picture of this. Uh, but this patient came to me with five days of anuria, and one of the large stones had caught in his perineal urethra. Our x-ray machine uh, recovered from the jungles of the Philippine Islands, after the Second World War was not working this day, so I don't have an x-ray to show you. However, I did a perineal urethrotomy and took the large stone away, put in a catheter. I could tell this man had many, more than one stone. Five operations later, uh, he was very much better. Uh, elephantiasis, in this case, not due to filariasis, but actually uh, secondary to gonorrhea. Uh, since we don't have a pathologist, and we're praying for a pathologist, if you know one, let me know. If he's in this room, block the doors. <laughs> uh, our pathology doesn't usually go anywhere except out in front of the hospital to, to all the taxi drivers and bus, bus people who are out there waiting to be seen by the doctor. Uh, I think... It should cut down our business, but it seems to increase it. 
this is what it looks like after operation. <coughs> Hydroseal. I had 13 patients with ameloblastomas like this um, during my first year and a half in this location. This is a schwannoma or a benign nerve sheath uh, tumor of the face. And this is after a, a year and a half later uh, showing the repair with a recurrence coming up uh, over the left eye. Um, a malignant melanoma on the face. And you can see that uh, she actually uh, didn't get to the hospital immediately after she first recognized the problem. And this is after a rotation flap. This patient had this chondrosarcoma coming out of his uh, left nostril for eight years. His main problem was actually the flies because the average number of flies on a small child's face in Ethiopia is between 20 and 22. And so this man uh, lived in great misery. Uh, because it acted like a tissue expander, um, he didn't need any major reconstruction after removal of the tumor. Um, we see uh, large sarcomas like this before and after surgery, and this one involving three ribs right over the heart, uh, replaced actually with a Marlex mesh taken uh, from a, an a aortic uh, graft that was refashioned uh, to cover this defect and then covered with an intercostal flap from just below. Uh, a basal cell cancer of the face uh, treated with surgery and a sarcoma of the left upper lip treated with a slander flap and a large tumor of the maxilla. This is showing the post-operative course and a squamous cell of the left uh, lower lip uh, in the midst of repair. This large uh, birthmark resected using a delta pectoral flap <coughs> to go up onto the cheek to reestablish the same type of tissue as the face with the same color. A lot of extremity kinds of problems. <coughs> Uh, this is a mycetoma of the foot. Uh, it comes from the thorns in the desert, uh, which uh, usually bring uh, some form of, of fungus. And then 7% of the population in the area of southern Ethiopia where we work have a strange foot disease. It's called podoconiosis. When I got to the hospital at first after six years of surgical residency and two years in the Navy during Vietnam time, I found 91 patients had, condition, had a condition that I didn't have the faintest idea what it was or what to do about it. And it was this particular condition. Uh, it looks uh, very varied in different situations. And I showed you those for only a short time because I don't want everybody to fall on the floor 
and to have to resuscitate everybody. Anyway, this man is, as you can see, much more comfortable. We had one, we had one gentleman um, who, at the end of his uh, surgery and treatment, um, he was able to go back to his village after he was kept in the hospital for three extra months for what we call discipleship. Instead of the usual happening after uh, this person went to his village, the village decided to make the same decision he did. They chose one member uh, to come to the seminary near our hospital. Our staff uh, pitched in with some of the money from their salaries to pay for his uh, training. And uh, now his training is uh, complete and he's back in this village. Um, we have Talpes equinovirus. Uh, the foot in the background has already had operation and the patient is on the operating table for the next <clears throat> part of the operation. Since uh, th- this is a common injury uh, for girls who f- slip when they go to the well to get water for their families. They do that every 12 hours. Since I fell into a well myself in China uh, just a- d- uh, during the summer after my uh, freshman year in elementary school, uh, I had a lot of sympathy uh, for these patients. And this is what we do. We pull a fasciocutaneous flap from the back of the ankle over the bone and put in a Steinman pin and cover the rest with skin graft, and the patients do very well. This is congenital tibial dysplasia, and we used a wrist external fixator and bone graft. A lot of our injuries come to us two weeks uh, after injury. That's because our helicopter service is not all that good. We, d- we frequently use cross-leg flaps, as you see in this picture. Um, Osteomyelitis of the tibia uh, is also very frequent. We make a large window in the bone and pull out the dead bone. We use different forms of intermedullary nails. This is my favorite operation. And I was very, very happy to be able to turn my orthopedics over to a proper orthopedic surgeon. It happened because God told me to go to a funeral. I don't particularly like to go to funerals because they make me sad in one way, happy in another way. But this uh, surgeon told me to go to an orthopedic meeting, especially geared for the third world. I did, and I met the orthopedic surgeon that God wanted me to meet. And two years later, he was out to to help us, and uh, he's been there now just over five years. So if God tells you to go to a funeral, there may be a purpose. Uh, Neurosurgery. Uh, This man was uh, got too close to a Torag uh, four-foot-long sword. The chief of this tribe used to come to my house instead of go to the clinic. He didn't recognize that when I went to the house, it was because I couldn't 
I couldn't uh, uh, do anything. I was too tired to do anything. But since I knew he had a four-foot-long sword underneath his garments, he seemed to get excellent treatment. Uh, They also have a large club, which somehow they can find already constructed for them in the bushes and so forth uh, in the countryside. Anyway, it makes an injury like this. Uh, This uh, five-year-old girl was attacked by a hyena early in the morning as she slept in her house. The door had been left open slightly when her father went out to relieve himself and the hyena had enucleated her right eye and brain was coming out in the two places where the arrows are showing. We talked off the outer plate of the skull and skin grafted and she did fine. Uh, Tuberculosis of the spine is actually fairly common. You can see the left chest open and the abscess pointed to uh, by the arrows. And uh, this little child had had been unable to walk for three months prior to surgery. And now you can see he's up and walking again. Sometimes the patient will actually be holding their head in their hands because of cervical involvement of tuberculosis. Fortunately, this uh, child got better without surgery. Head and neck kinds of problems. The first man on the left, uh, I decided he should have operation because he said he couldn't see the 12-foot-long pythons hiding along the jungle path on which he would normally have to travel. Uh, That wasn't in my textbook as an indication for surgery. But but I thought I could make an exception for him. The second one was bleeding from her uh, thyroid, and the other one, uh, she was just third in line. (laughs) Cankerum oris, or noma, is very common uh, in one place where we work. And in just 48 hours, you can have a picture like this, which is so devastating. Usually... A grandmother is taking care of the children over, uh, uh, and usually 22 different children while the parents are out harvesting. Later on, the, uh, the defects are shown like this, after repair, before, after, uh, during. This is a repair of the entire upper lip, and that's how it looks like with the forehead flap, a complete loss of the lower lip and after repair and whole side of the face and after repair. Uh, this lady uh, was collecting firewood for her family for her supper meal and uh, she fell, uh, slipped and uh, she ruptured her five-month pregnancy. Uh, she came to the hospital in extremis. Uh, fortunately, God saved her life through surgery. Later on, we asked her if she would like to have her nose repaired. Uh, and she said yes, so she got this wonderful operation. <clears throat> um, at three years, this is what she looked like when she came back to thank us. We have all kinds of burn contractures and scars. 
this uh, particular problem is cutaneous leishmaniasis, which this patient has had for more than 15 years. Uh, I don't like to tell you this, but my wife uh, had this uh, cutaneous leishmaniasis as well. Um, and uh, you can see she looks perfectly normal now. <clears throat> That's because she had such a great <laughs> surgeon to take care of her. <laughs> no, actually, when we got back to the United States <clears throat> uh, and they found it inside her nose, uh, it was sort of the first case that they'd seen like that. So uh, she got a good write-up somewhere. Anyway, we worked uh, five different operations for this patient to reestablish uh, his head and neck in the proper way. Adult cleft lips and palates are not uncommon. And contractures like this, which we found could be repaired with one relatively simple operation, as shown in this picture. We have all kinds of trauma, of course, and uh, this is just after his surgery. So if you're uh, hoping to sign up, uh, which I hope you do. Uh, we want, of course, for you to choose your pilot very carefully. It's actually a blessing to be able to ride in these little planes as long as the rubber bands hold out. You can actually have your picture on the next uh, missionary poster as career missionary surgeon, and I hope you do. Uh, there are no buyouts, no mergers, no market shares, no competition. <laughs> Do you need any more? No for-profit managed care, no satellite hospitals. I had uh, surgeon friends who, who were working in five different hospitals at the same time. I can tell you that even with one hospital, that's, that's more than enough for me. Uh, we only see zebra, and I don't know whether... They talk about zebras and horses in medical school anymore or not. Uh, but we only see zebra. We don't know what horses look like. <laughs> then there's no commuting because when you're across the street from the hospital, you don't have to ride in anything to get there except uh, put on your shoes if you don't want to have that wonderful condition of the feet that affects 7% of the people. Uh, there's, of course, a disadvantage in living across the street from the hospital because you can hear every single cry of every single baby and every single patient, and you know exactly what's happening. There's no dictating, no computering of charts, no long charts. I got the wonderful opportunity to make my own chart. It was one page, front and back. It had everything on it. Seven days of nurses' notes and seven seven days of everything, and it had just a, a little square on the bottom for history, a little one like this for a physical. If you're used to writing long ones, you might be very unhappy. No night call for nine months every three years when you take what they, call, what they used to call a furlough, and now they call a home assignment. Uh, then you never know who's watching your operation. We have windows in our, in our operating room, and it's open on three sides. So when I got to the hospital uh, and found that we had a single bulb hanging on the end of a rusty coat hanger, 
uh, every time the breeze blew, it blew the, the light back and forth like this. It was only a 60 watt. And uh, you had to move the table uh, sort of to get the light uh, to shine because you couldn't adjust the light. And then you can operate five days a week. Of course, that I changed that from seven because it doesn't, doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> no junk mail, no beepers, no IRS. And this is, of course, the important one. Lawyers only go where there are rich doctors around. They don't want to go where the people don't have any money. And so helping those without any help. Then you can actually see elephants without going to the zoo. That's a, really a great blessing. You can change the eternal destiny opportunity for many. That's the most wonderful part of this whole thing. You actually will almost every day see something that God has done that you could not possibly do. Fantastic unhurried vacations are actually something uh, that, uh, that God gave us, and that was a special blessing. Europe every three years, that may not sound nice to you, but if you're in some of the locations that I can tell you about, uh, you would appreciate it. Excellent homeschool opportunities. My wife did a great job. Our son uh, got his doctor's degree relatively easily, and so did our, our daughter. Uh, all meals at home with the family. Now, uh, I have not run across an American family where this happens, uh, but you can talk to my wife because nobody believes that this actually happens, but it can actually happen even in a busy hospital if you're right across the street from the hospital. You'll know what elephantiasis looks like. Uh, this one is not elephantiasis, and it's good for you to be running in the opposite direction. <laughs> then the pay in retirement really is out of this world. <laughs> Rewards are 100 times the investment. <clears throat> because of the challenges beyond your ability, his hand on yours, you'll recognize that his hand is on yours and that you could not do it by yourself. To be a good Samaritan in preparation, vision, service, and finance. I was never happy that uh, the airplane was, uh, was developed because it seemed that just as I was finishing my last surgery of the day, just before the sun went down, there was this little buzzing noise <clears throat> and I just went like this because I had geared everything to be able to finish at the proper time. And um, so I guess I'm getting used to the fact that little buzzing noises come and they, they bring more blessings. You choose a business which is God's, heaven over earth, good over evil, choosing to live that you dare to die, to prepare others for an eternal destiny with God. You don't have to worry about what's most dangerous because you're in God's hands. You don't have to worry what's behind every bush uh, because it's not usually all that bad. Now, uh, I made a list of all the kinds of things people tell me the reasons why they don't want to go. First of all, they don't think they'll 
ride in a very nice car if they go overseas. Well, we prayed because I grew up in a missionary family and I saw the kind of cars that my parents uh, had donated to them. They're the see-through kind because of so many rusty spots. Um, They're the kind that stop at the red light but can't get going again. And all the kids come out and push it through the into the next uh, street. Uh, But God, uh, I prayed about it, and I received a letter from a friend. He said, I've got these two cars in the garage. One is is, uh, yellow, uh, and one is black. So choose your color. I chose black. I should have chose yellow, because the yellow one was the brand new one, and the black one was 10 years old and had just gotten a new engine, but they were Mercedes. So the biggest problem was driving from one church to another and seeing our friends and telling them how poor we were. And the only thing we didn't have on our car was one of those embassy flags on the side. (laughs) I won't go through the rest, but they're all real blessings. Blessings in people. Uh, Dr. Calamo from eighth grade. Worked with me closely for three years, and now a plastic surgeon, prominent person in our hospital. The gentleman on the the right, a a general surgeon, Uh, I met him first when he was five months old. He didn't come with his application at that point. (laughs) He was actually dying, and I prayed for him and prayed for him, and God touched him and saved his life. Uh, When we wanted to get this hospital started, I decided the first place to start after praying and so forth was to go to the president of the whole area. And uh, I went to his office and sort of uh, pleaded with him to be allowed to to uh, do this hospital uh, training project. He said, well, of course, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for you to do that. You saved my life. You delivered me. And uh, you saved my mother's life. So why wouldn't I want to help you? So God arranges our times and our seasons and does uh, very miraculous things. This is the group of doctors that started in our training program. Uh, Everybody was sure that there would only be one doctor. So all the Ethiopians, they were absolutely amazed. They recognized this was the hand of God. Now, I know that you might not think uh, Switzerland is all that great, But after you've been working for four years in Ethiopia, you'll appreciate the fact that your friends want to take you uh, up into the mountains. Uh, The rewards, of course, are out of this world. And the friends, you make friends uh, around the world who are going to go to heaven with you. It's very worthwhile. Are there any questions that you have that I can answer? My wife is here so she can take the difficult ones. Uh, our daughter is uh, uh, studying at Indiana Wesleyan uh, University, taking a nurse practitioner course, um, and uh, she's taking the last part of it, which is the part where you have clinicals, and they have to be done in the vicinity of, of the college. Our son is, and his family are located two days' drive north of Nairobi in the Chilabi Desert. 
they're the only people I think that can live in that area besides the people who already live there. Uh, they've been there 23 years. Um, our, our daughter-in-law is a vet, and uh, our son is a natural energy resource engineer uh, who tries to save as many of the trees as, as possible, uses all kinds of solar and wind energy to help the people. Thank you very much.